Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. Are you ready to take your life to the most incredible level possible in 2016? Well, we've had three sold out wellness summits these last few years, but honestly, nothing comes close to the wellness breakthrough and we have just three spots remaining. Your favorite wellness couch experts, the wellness guys, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Quirky Cookings, Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, and of course, Carl Brock are gathering in the Dandenong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough from February 5th to the 7th. But again, there's only three spots available. Entry to the breakthrough is by application only, and to apply, simply email your contact details to marcus at thewellnesscouch.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm really excited to be joined by a guest who is a clinically trained nutritionist, whole foods chef, health educator, and the founder of Stirring Change and the What to Eat program. Her personal mission is to empower people to take charge of their health by using food as medicine, and she's witnessed many amazing changes along the way with people simply and easily changing their dietary and life dietary and the diet and their lifestyles. She's been appointed the NRL Parramatta Eels nutritionist and has enjoyed working with teams, and she also works with children, working infants and sleep as a baby whisperer. So she's got a, just a huge range of experience. So welcome to the show, Georgia Linneman. Thank you very much, Brett. Lovely to be here. Now, have I pronounced that last name right? I have a feeling you I got have, it right. I got it right. Wait, <laughs> the German won't be too offended if you pronounce his name wrong. I don't care how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, what a, what a diverse range of experience you've got there. As I was looking through your bio, it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, from footballers to babies, it's, a, it's quite an interesting journey you've been on. So how did you get into this nutrition, whole food stuff to start with? What was your own personal journey? Well, my journey, I mean, I think I've always been obsessed with food. My mother will attest to that. Even as a toddler, I was more obsessed with food than I probably should have been. Um, I've always been a foodie and I think it was, she actually had a near-death experience, my mother, um, and literally had a choice about, you know, living or dying and sort of made a pact that she would, if she could, she was literally going towards the white light and going, okay, if I can, if I can just wake up and go back to my children and, and stay living, I'll throw myself into nutrition education. And this is when we were sort of four or five years old. I do remember this period. Um, and she actually threw herself into studying all these different courses around nutrition, naturopathy, shiatsu, Chinese medicine, um, pretty much everything under the sun with these two young children. And so I grew up um, sort of being, our family was dragged through uh, the different dietary theories. And so we were doing macrobiotics and yeast-free, candida diets, you know, all that sort of thing the whole way through my childhood. And so I grew up thinking that the meaning of life was really just about figuring out the perfect diet. Um, And then after I'd after I'd sort of left home and, and was on my mission out in the world, that's that's what I, that's the trajectory that I continued on. So I did every diet under the sun in a really dogmatic and religious way. I did paleo and the zone diet and Atkins and raw veganism and pretty much everything. 
And I didn't actually, until I studied nutrition formally, I didn't realize the value of that experience because um, I, yeah. I was teaching workshops in Sydney years ago, fermented foods workshops and, and things like that. And I didn't realize how confused people were about the conflicting dietary messages that they were receiving. So it was interesting for me to, um, yeah, I guess put all that together and that's exactly why I started the What to Eat program was to really put all my um, learnings into one place and and I guess tie together the nutritional science with the tradition and, and with common sense as well. So it's been a very long and interesting journey. And yeah, I think the reason I've gone from children to footballers to, you know, to mums and, and all over the place is really I do have a very short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> and I get bored really easily, which is I've been a beauty therapist, I've been a baby whisperer, I've worked all around the world as a nanny and um, done lots of other things as well. And I just... Yeah, I just once I've learnt something, I'm ready to move on, um, and that's exactly I think that with the What Tweet program, it's evolved from being one thing, and it's evolved this year into something completely different, which I'll talk about. So, yeah, I just got <laughs> to calm down and focus on one thing at a time. Probably, <laughs> I, I totally get it. I totally get it. People say to me, they say, "So, what's your niche?" And I'm like, "Well, it depends when you ask. You know, <laughs> <Exactly>. like <laughs> anything from exercise to kids to you know paleo to you know whatever takes my fancy at the time, whatever I'm kind of passionate about." So, I get that. So you started from a really early age. That's so fascinating. So what do you remember of the changes your mum made when you were five years old? What do you remember happening? Well, at the time, I didn't really appreciate it. There was a lot of radical um, overhauls with our diet. Um, So one minute we would be allowed everything. And then literally, I think it was when we were seven, I was seven years old and my sister was five, we moved to the country um, because she didn't want us to have any access to a canteen because the <laughs> things in the canteen were not on our dietary protocol. So we moved. <laughs> um, and this is how seriously she took it. So there was literally a complete overhaul. The whole family was off wheat, off dairy, off this, off that. And she was learning to cook with um, really bizarre ingredients that we'd never heard or you know seen of before. Um, and that taught me a lot, really, in hindsight. At the time, I didn't enjoy it, but we got used to it. Um, and there was a lot of restrictions, more restrictions that I would probably place any client on these days. Um, and I think that eating should be delicious and not restrictive at, at the end of the day. But it showed me that you can actually completely overhaul a family's eating and the kids be on, you know, can, they will change with you. Um, I learned that you can completely, because it, it feels impossible sometimes with children to be able to make a real change in their life and a, a real radical change in their diet, um, as long as it's not overnight, as long as it's gradual, you can completely change uh, what they're eating. And that's, that's something I learned because it does feel impossible when you're dealing with fussy kids. Um, so that's, yeah, that was, that was really a, an eye-opening experience, um, looking back in hindsight and, and dealing with families and children and realising, no, I've got the experience here, I actually can show you how to change. Nice. Um, but, yeah, but I think it was just the, we'd literally go, for three months on one really strict macrobiotic diet where we had no animal products and then we'd be back on you know, grass-fed animal products and no dairy. It just, yeah, it just was a lot of change um, over the, a period of about five, ten years. Well, I'm fascinated by that because as many people know, I've just released my Healthy Kids Eating eBooks. So I've just written a book called Nourish Without Nagging, which is all about how to get kids to love eating healthy. So I'm, I'm fascinated by these changes and, and you know, how your mum did it and how you dealt with it. And so, um, so what did your mum do? I mean, was, was her approach just this is the way it is, deal with it? Or did she use any other tips and strategies to try and get the family on board? Or was it just more of a dictatorship? 
She is, well, it was dictatorship. At the end of the day, it was. I mean, I think, and I think at the end of the day, the parents should be making the decisions about what, fa- what their children are eating. Um, and, but I think you can involve kids. I think you can do it in a way. I probably would do it a little bit differently if, if you know, <laughs> when I have my kids, which will do fairly soon. Um, I think you can make it fun. And I think she definitely did explain the benefits to us and, and what she was learning and why we were in, sort of going on that new journey, why we were experimenting. Um, I definitely think that with children, you can make it more engaging, you know, getting them into the kitchen, cooking with them. There's so many things that you can do to um, really get them involved if they're more engaged in it and they understand why you're doing something and you just, you know, maybe not a dictatorship at the end of the day is not the best thing, but just to sort of (laughs) ask them to notice the changes, ask them to see how they feel, ask them to to really be thinking for themselves in that that regard is really important, I think. So... um, but yeah, I think it's at the end of the day, it's possible. And I think when you do make changes in a, in a family's life with diet, it's it kind of you know every change that you make has an impact on the child. You know, so the cravings start to subside anyway. You know, their taste buds evolve anyway, and they start to be more um, appreciative of foods they may not may have rejected initially. So it, it is it should be gradual. You know, yeah, great. definitely believe in that. So. I think with those sort of drastic changes you had as a child um, that your mum made there, you know, you were probably either going to go one of two ways. You know, you were either going to take it and run with it and get right into health and nutrition or go the opposite way and just kind of reject it and, and not be interested in it at all. So you obviously got really fascinated by health and nutrition. At what age did you think that that was something that you were going to do as a career? Very, very. I knew that from very early. Even probably... 10, 11 years old, I was obsessed with reading health and nutrition information, I was right on board with it. I didn't like what we were eating <laughs> at home, but I was just the the intensity of the passion that my mother had was definitely transferred to me. My sister, it's interesting that you say that it could have gone two ways. My sister did go the opposite way. She just doesn't care about diet at all. <laughs> she loves baking. She loves food. And I mean, she does, yeah, loves food, but doesn't just does not care about the health impacts of what she's eating um, and it's still very healthy luckily but um, but I just was obsessed from yeah 11 or 12 years of age I, so I told my mum I walked in at, in year 10 I think and I said I don't want to finish my HSE I don't want to go to year 12 I've decided I'm going to New York and I'm going to go to Anne-Marie Colvin school because I just read all her books at that point in time and I'm going to go to her cooking school and do macrobiotic cooking and you can't stop me. And <laughs> and she said, sweetie, if you finish your 12, you can do it after that. And I'd completely forgotten that conversation. And it wasn't until I was living in London and trying to remain there on a visa and we tried all different types of sponsorship with the business I was working for and it didn't work. And my whole life was set up in London and I was just devastated to leave. And I thought, I can't go back to Sydney. I just, I won't be able to get out of bed. I'll be so depressed <laughs> because everything was in London. Every, my whole life was there. And so I said, I think I might go somewhere as exciting. I think I might just go live in New York for a while to take the edge off and then I'll go home because then at least I won't be missing London as much. And at that point, I decided to study. I actually went to integrative nutrition before it was a distance education program um, just because that they were accredited and you could get a visa to be in the country. Um, and and went to the Natural Gourmet Institute, which is Anne-Marie Colbin's school. And I told my mum, this is my plans. I need to borrow 20 grand to pay for the the um, the Natural Gourmet course to become a, a natural chef. And she said, oh, do you remember that this is like a, this is the manifestation of a childhood dream. You actually marched into me in year 10 and said that you wanted to do this. Did you remember that? I said, absolutely not. Totally forgot about it. And so I ended up, that's what I did. I went over there to study and I started to, 
really formalized my my um, my training. I moved back here and, and also did some more nutrition study there. But it was just it's the journey that I've gone through and the places that I've been have led me to through all sorts of different dietary protocols. And I was in New York is where I really discovered raw foods. Um, and went completely raw vegan overnight, <laughs> absolutely obsessed with that protocol the whole time I was there. And yeah, I, it's just it's just interesting to have tried that and seen what it does to the body. I I, I don't I'm not anti it. I don't recommend it anymore. But um, just to have the experience of being around you know that whole culture there in, in New York, um, to meet all the gurus, to talk to them, to see all the you know the the, the workshops that they put on and see it yeah. firsthand was really interesting. So. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the education side of things. You know, what did, you'd obviously been really into food and researched a lot and studied a lot and tried a lot before you got to the formal education. So, what do you feel was the benefit of going through that formal education process? And perhaps did you feel there were any drawbacks? Were there any negatives of, of going through that formal education as well? Absolutely. I think I think there's. I, I'm I'm really feel very privileged that I had all the experiences that I had and did all the out, you know the external study that I did before I got there, because it, I went into that system questioning things that I may not have questioned otherwise. Um, at the time, and this is you know quite a few years ago, we were being taught that saturated fat still needs to be limited. Saturated fat, just getting saturated fat out of the diet is is the most important thing, you know. And so I was there. I was quite probably problematic for my lecturers <laughs> they probably didn't like having me in their classes because I was really <laughs> asking questions that were way too difficult and annoying and they couldn't get on with their curriculum so um I I'm glad I went in with that I went in with my eyes open and I, I have a lot of friends who are yeah studying medicine and they're going in with their eyes open to a system that you know there's there's definitely strong biases in there um and sometimes the information is just dated it's just that's when you go into a bricks and mortar establishment the information is five plus years old it just is so I I I loved it it definitely makes you the benefits definitely are that it makes you go back to the research it it forces you to um to really do more careful analysis of the studies and and the recent papers and that is a skill that you may not develop I'm not saying you you won't but you may not develop just doing your own research it's Mm. kind of learning how to to look at the science and so I definitely think that there's a benefit and I definitely am not at the end of my formal journey. I'd like to go on and do lots of other things once babies are dealt with, born and dealt with. <laughs> I'd love to go back and do more formal study. Um, but I definitely, I, I de- there's just so many valuable contributors to the health movement that haven't got those qualifications and are contributing wonderful things. And so I don't think it's the be all and end all. I think that a lot of the highly qualified professionals out there aren't giving great advice um, and so I think it really depends on it's hard it's hard for consumers to know who to choose um, you know I, I think someone who's who's um, got a balanced mindset and, and really is looking at the research and is using common sense and is kind of looking back at tradition as well I think mm. that's my focus um, not not sometimes the science isn't the be all and end all really um, and it's been disproven so it's just the current theory of the day and a lot of the you know, there's a lot of closed-mindedness in, in some yeah. of these academic And, and sometimes fields. not even the current theory of the day, it's the current theory of yesterday or, exactly. you know, or longer ago. That's very unfortunate that it takes so long. I mean, the, the fat theory is one of them, but it just it takes so long for the public to really hear about and the, 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 yeah. there's never any real acknowledgement when a theory changes, you know. It's just, okay, we had that wrong. It just changes and, it, and then it's just like there's a whole – it's difficult because there's industries – jumping on the bandwagon once you get industry involved and there's money involved it becomes a completely different 
thing, you know, yeah. it's, it becomes a monster. So, um, yeah, but I, de- I definitely think there's value in, in both types of study because I think, I think just doing the qualification and not going out and doing further study is, is very short-sighted, very limited. Yeah. So let's talk about your experience with raw food because that sounded like that was a pretty, um, you know, significant period for you. And you sort of mentioned, you know, the pros of raw food and also the cons of raw food. What did you find of, you know, going through that raw food phase? What happened with you and your body? Oh, well, <laughs> it's a long story. I'll try and keep it brief. It, it, was, it was probably one of the most – it was definitely, um, I think, the most educational diet that I've ever gone because it's so radical because it's, it teaches you a lot. When you're throwing yourself into that whole lifestyle, it is alienating. It can be alienating socially. You're doing something that's completely different. If you believe in the – I'll call it dogma, but it's a negative word. But if you believe in the whole theory of raw foods, um, which really, unfortunately, it doesn't have any basis in you know tradition or history mm. science like you know there's there's elements to it that do but the whole going 100% raw or even 80 90% raw is pretty pretty full on especially if you bring in the vegan element which is the i think the the issue that i have the biggest um you know yeah. it, that's that's the thing that really can destroy health if it's not done properly i do have um i have got clients and i have got friends who are vegans and they're doing it you know as best they can with with supplementation and so it is possible but i think that's the dangerous part. Um, but I also think, yeah, I was involved in it. I was heavily um, a, a promoter and a kind of very obsessive. <laughs> and I think I, I definitely think that there's there's um, a link there between certain deficiencies and that black or white mentality. And it has to be this way, and it has to be perfect. It's mm. not flexible. I definitely think that there's a correlation there between what you're eating, what you're missing, and the way you start to think and the way you start to look at life. Um, but dealing with all the experts and the, I mean, I did meet people, honestly, I was in these amazing raw food cafes that were kind of little hubs, bustling hubs of really passionate people, passionate all about the same thing. And I met, you know, lots and lots of people who were there, gorgeous looking, tanned, rippling muscles. And I said, yeah, I was diagnosed with cancer, this stage four cancer, you know, six months ago. And here I am. So I, I met probably 40, 50 people that had the same story with cancer. And I thought, wow. My macrobiotic teachers did not look this gorgeous. Like their skin wasn't glowing like it is. So there, there's mm. some validity to it. There's definitely a cleansing effect of that diet when you've got certain diseases. I definitely believe there's power to it. I don't believe it's the only way, but I I, I know firsthand that there is real detoxifying and cleansing power there. I wouldn't choose to detoxify and cleanse that way now with what I know. I think there's elements that I would take from it that you know the high enzyme is definitely something that's important but it's not the be all and end all to detoxification so um but yeah it's just convincing when you meet these people you talk to these people you start to get really influenced and then I just you know amazing health effects myself I I didn't need any sleep I was you know existing on four to five hours I was on a high euphoria and I thought that meant health which it doesn't um it could mean high adrenaline (laughs) you know it could mean that you're just completely wired which I think you know living in New York is not too unusual but when I moved back here I started to I actually went off the diet I went back more into western price principles more traditional eating and then I met my husband he moved in with me. I gave him an ultimatum because I, I literally, I mean, I'm surrounded in a bubble <laughs> of people who are like nutrition freaks. And he he moved in and I said, wait, so you mean to tell me that you haven't had any breakfast? For six years you've had coffee for breakfast, 
Thai takeaway from the food court for lunch and Chinese takeaway for dinner for six years and you're still alive. And he just looks at me like, sweetie, that's what everyone does in the finance world. Like, that's how we live. And I'm like, wow, I just, it's amazing you're still with us. Like, that's totally, just really live in a bubble. And I said, look, if you want to have, you know, if we want to have babies together, moving he moved in like after two months it was sort of like love at first sight you know meant to be he moved in I said if we're going to have children you need to eat what I'm eating for like two years before I'm ready to have children with you because this is just not good this situation so he literally overnight started eating what I was eating and it was mostly raw with a cooked dinner like sort of lamb shanks and veggies for dinner like a fairly paleo based dinner well cooked but raw during the day a uh, little bit of broth, but mainly green smoothies and lots of salads and raw nut bars and things like that. And he lost, and he was, he's not a, he was never overweight really, but he lost about, I think it was like nine kilos or 12 kilos in six weeks. It was radical. And then everyone in his office started saying, what are you doing? It's like, well, I eat nuts and seeds and green smoothies. <laughs> and eventually he started really getting into it. He was really skeptical at first, but he's, he's quite obedient, which is good. And when, if you get in early when someone's really in love with you, they kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> so he kind of went along with my plan. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. And, um, but he started to read books and started to really watch videos. And he watched this one video of one of the raw food gurus who had given birth. And then six weeks later, she had a six pack again. She was lost all the weight and she looked really healthy. And he's like, I think we should go fully 100% raw. And I went, oh, sweetie, like I've been there, done that. I don't know that that's the right thing. And it is the middle of winter right now. And, you know, maybe we could leave it till summer and we do a bit of an experimentation, see if it works for you. But like, you know, you know you're a man, you need meat and we can't go raw vegan. And he just was really forceful. He's like, no, I really want to try this. I want to take it to the next level. I was like, okay. So we did. And it was really, it was a great learning because for me it wasn't, I hadn't had huge um, negative health side effects from going raw until this point. And so this was the final nail in the coffin for me for that diet. He, we went raw and we started to have serious um, health issues. So he, his cholesterol had been ridiculously high when he moved in. They were wanting to put him on medication for that. In I think it was two weeks he went back and got a blood test after moving in with me and his um, cholesterol was completely normalized. So that's, I mean, but we know the power of diet, so that's not Amazing. surprising to me. I was like, yeah, I thought it would be. Um, he was really impressed. I was telling everyone in the office. But after that, I mean, he went and had his blood tested again, you know, two, three months after being on the raw diet in the middle of winter and it was shockingly low. Like his, his HDL was really, really low. And to me, that you don't muck around with that. Cholesterol is super important. And I, I knew that from my studies in Western Price. And um, both our, te- our gums started to recede. Our teeth started getting really – and we weren't eating a lot of fruit. We were eating mostly greens, a little bit of fruit, but, you know, that it wasn't about the fruit sensitivity. Mm. Um, all these other problems, terrible digestion, like just terrible – um, not sleeping well, you know, really moody, really angry, we're fighting all the time. And I was like, we just, we can't do this anymore. I've got to stop. Sorry, <laughs> I'm putting a stop to this and we're going to go back to Western Price for a while <laughs> to sort of make up for that lost time, all the, all the healthy fats that we were missing out on. And so that was, for me, that was it. And then I started to really look at, so as we talked to acupuncturists and other practitioners who have dealt with similar sorts of problems, and I, I just began to see it really for what it is. There's like... It's not just the protein and the B12. There's tons of nutrients that you cannot access on that diet effectively or at all. Um, and so for me, I, I did go through a very anti-raw vegan phase and I've come out of that because I think everyone should do whatever they want to do. Um, I just don't like the, yeah, the unqualified people out there promoting a diet that has never been really proven across a wide population to be effective or safe. 
And I, I, I threw myself into educating people that if you want to do that, this is a safer way to do it. You know, you, not, you need to supplement with this. And if you can possibly just add some egg yolks or, you know, possibly a little bit of this or that in there, um, then, you know, I, I just wanted to, to save people from, you know, those sorts of health effects that I'd yeah. been through. And I think, you know, what you're talking about is so important. And, and I think particularly, I think the mental side of it and the emotional side of it is something that, that doesn't seem to get talked about as much, but I think seems to have a massive impact. You know, we know that the brain is just, you know, fats are so important for the brain and function, you know, let alone all the other nutrients you're talking about. I think that's just such an important conversation to be had to say, you know, if you are going to do it, let's make sure you at least do it right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I've now come into a very, very balanced mindset. Even though, like literally every diet I've done, I've done it in a really religious, dogmatic, fanatical way because that was sort of what I'd seen my mother do. And now I've come to a place of real balance and acceptance and, you know, I, sort of supporting people with whatever they would like to eat. Um, and that's pretty much why, wh- how the program came about, the What to Eat program, because I, I basically had people going, well, which one's right? Like paleo tells me to do this and raw tells me to do this and the raw people look really good and, you know, the macrobiotic makes sense to me because I like Eastern philosophy and they're just confused about all those things. And I honestly believe that there's, there's validity to every single dietary protocol out there. There's parts that you can take from it that you can implement as long as you know which are the good bits and which are the dodgy bits, <laughs> which are the bits that could get you into trouble, which of them do you want to experiment with and try but just be careful with. Um, that's how it came about. I started to just educate people. I put together this, it was a three month program initially and I was teaching it face to face. And that's the bulk of what I was teaching was analyzing all the different dietary theories, my experience with them, whether, you know, if I had science to back up, you know, the pros and cons, like, cause some of them, it's just, it's just based on people's opinion. It's not even, yeah. it's not even really fact. And there's no history of tradition there either. So, um, that's what it was initially and it's grown to be something completely different this year. It's completely changed but that's what my main mission was, take out the confusion, present everything so that people can choose what, which way works for them, which diet works for them and it's, it's basically a, a blueprint that can be applied to any way of eating. It's not a strict code of, you know, conduct. It's just, you know, you can apply these principles to whichever way you'd like to eat, to whichever diet suits you. Nice. That sounds great. So that's, uh, you know, it, it's awesome that you're just allowing everyone to make their own choice. And, and once again, you know, I've just released my book and, and that's one of the things we're really conscious of. You know, it doesn't have any diets in there. It doesn't have any food. It's just about how to do it, you know, how to make it work for you, how to, how to get your kids to eat healthy stuff, not necessarily about what they should eat. So it's just accessible for everyone to, because everyone knows, don't they? Everyone knows some stuff that they should be doing that would work for them. You know, like yeah. everyone knows something they could eat that would make their health better. And it's just a matter of creating a, you know, a framework that's going to help them actually do that and help them make those changes, which, which is yeah. so important. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's exactly that. And that's what I've come back to. It's just, it's basically just real food for most people. If you're trying to heal an illness and you're trying to get ahead athletically, there's, you know, there's certainly there's things you can do. But for most families, it's really about, you know, just keeping it simple and just yeah. doing real food that's that's really healthy. And I think the one thing I've learned over the last year has been that the provenance of where the food comes from and how it's been produced 
is for me the missing link now. That's what the, these, this sort of extra segment that I've added onto the program, speaking to all the experts, I started to interview farmers and, and people who really knew um, what the labelling, because I was just intrigued about labelling. And so that's how it started for me. I started to interview some farmers about what's free-range chicken, what's organic, which one's better. What, And so I started to look behind the curtain on that level. And um, that's the one thing that I'm really passionate about teaching people now is that basically it's just real food. If you want to add on, you know, dairy-free or wheat-free or, you know, less this or more that, you can do that. But knowing where your food comes from is is probably in this day and age more important than what you're actually eating, what you're choosing to eat. Mm. It's knowing how it was grown and how it was produced. Georgia, you can't just throw out things like that without explaining to us. So what would you choose? <laughs> would you choose the organic chicken or would you choose the free-range chicken? It's a tough one. And and really what I'm teaching people in the program is, is kind of looking behind the curtain and, and um, the late, unfortunately, and this is, I guess, my bigger mission now is to not just change people's individual health, but I think collectively with our food choices, we can completely overhaul the food system because yeah. right now we don't have access to the best quality food, even if it's labelled organic, even if it's labelled free range. And I don't mean to be depressing because <laughs> it is, it is yeah. a little bit depressing. But I think what's more important than actually reading the label, after all the research that I've done, all the people that I've spoken to, it's actually more beneficial to find a local um, distributor or farmer mm. or just ringing up a farm that's anywhere in the proximity of you and finding if they distribute near you because sometimes it's not possible um, and find just actually being able to talk if you can talk to the farmer or talk to the person who's talked to the farmer about how they're grown that's yeah. more important than a label grass-fed in one of the big supermarkets actually doesn't mean that much which is unfortunate it's hard for the consumer because it's you know that is a bit depressing but um, there's so many differences between like if, if, a, if a chicken is labelled free range, that actually doesn't mean that the animal has ever seen the light of day. It's, yeah. it's so loose. The labelling laws are so bad in this country that it doesn't give you any peace of mind. When it comes to chicken, definitely free range organic is better. Organic is like a step up that kind of means they kind of do have to be outside and a bit more like farmed in the natural way. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, all the other labelling in this country is – there's such a broad range of farming methods and food quality under one label that the label is not the most helpful thing when you're a consumer looking for the best quality food. It's actually where you're shopping, where you're buying it from. And if you can source somehow a local farmer and start to support them, we basically need to have not big, huge-scale farms, like this industrial farming method just doesn't produce good quality food. And what I lo- I kind of knew that. You know, like you get into paleo, you kind of talk about grass-fed meat, and you're like, yep, that's better than grain-fed. Organic is probably better. It probably has less pesticides and GMOs in the feed than, than non and that's definitely all correct but then there's another level when I started to speak to farmers there's a new method that's sort of becoming more popular now called regenerative farming Mm. completely different to grass-fed cows who are just being grown on normal grass it means that the roots go deeper there's more there's a bigger layer of humus on the soil the grass grows higher and there's so much more nourishment in there for the animals that it's kind of like there's grass-fed and there's grass-fed and they're two completely different products. So it's about finding local farmers, finding distributors who are actually talking to their farmers rather than just stocking it into a, a huge um, supermarket chain. And it definitely requires a little bit of work on the part of the consumer. But once you're involved in that system, it's kind of like switching from um, supermarket shopping to farmer's market. You have to find your market. It's a bit of a hassle. You have to go there. You have to shop differently. You can't just pop in there every day. It's probably only once a week. But once you do and once you're talking to that farmer directly, 
your whole life changed. You start to think differently about where your food comes from. You know that it's being grown with love and produced in a way that's in line with your principles and there's so much more nutrition there. And that's what I think is missing is that we we go to the supermarket and think that buying all the paleo foods or the raw foods or you know whatever we consider to be the healthy protocol, but we're not looking at anything you know where's the food come from where how's it been grown has it been grown with integrity so it's an apple is not necessarily an apple it it might be worlds apart depending on the soil that it was grown in and it's the same for all the superfoods we can think goji and cacao and all these like flashy superfoods are healthy but it's how they're grown that gives them the powers you know the superpowers and it's exactly the same with animal foods. So really, <laughs> I could talk about that for a long time. That was awesome. <laughs> I loved that section because I'm so into that stuff. And, and as you said, you know, like looking at what the cow eats is important, but looking at the environment that that grass grows in and what the soil's like, what the nutrients, you know, that whole, we're getting back to that whole ecosystem again, which I think is really exciting. And you yeah. talk about this on your website, and we're going to have to be brief here, Georgia, because we're almost out of time already. But you were talking about nose to tail nutrition, but you, you take it a little bit further where you talk about the whole plant the whole animal the whole person and the whole food system now i reckon that's fascinating and i have a feeling this could be a whole nother episode but i'd love you to talk about it for just a little bit before we finish up today i think that's one of the things that i've come back to realizing is really um i'm I'm all about waste-free cooking i think that's another really big thing that we have to start caring about you know using all the food and learning how to cook like our grandparents used to and that's what i love about the whole western price theory and traditional preparation methods is is that it makes sense. We don't waste any part of it. That's more economical. It's hugely economical for families to cook root to tip and nose to tail. You have a wider range of nutrients. You know, There's nutrients in the carrot tops and the radish greens and, and all the other little bits that we would normally throw away. The corn silk and the husk have nutrients and they make them as an anti-inflammatory tea in Chinese medicine. We just, we just haven't learnt to cook that way. So for me, that's very, very important. Nose to tail with, with animals, it's, it's mostly about just respecting the animal, um, you know, killing the animal and just eating just the muscle meat and not making use of the bones and the organ meats is just, it just on some level to me it just doesn't strike me as right. You know, it, it's wasteful. And so there's definitely more nutrients yeah. found in the bits that we normally throw away. Um, but yeah. again, health is not just about, you know, just what we're eating. It's about what we're thinking. It's about how we interact with people, our relationships and the food system. I, I mean, yeah, that is really a 30-minute show <laughs> <laughs> invite me back and talk about that later but yeah for me it's it's not nutrition we can't just keep um just like western medicine can look just at the symptoms rather than the whole person i think overall even in the alternative um health field i think we need to look at the bigger picture on on more than one level on every level we need to look at the bigger picture look at the whole organism and the whole system the whole ecosystem the whole gut the the, the, the um, microbiota of the soil how the plants and animals and, you know, atmosphere interact. Um, There's just so much more to it. And I feel like once you learn all this stuff, everything that I've put in my program is just, it's it's like a simple solution or just kind of fits into place. Um, And I think that's the case with nature. When you study nature and herbal medicine and and the gut health and the the health of the soil, it just starts to make sense. It just starts to really fit into place because it is a, a universal truth. So, yeah, I won't ramble. I love it. <laughs> that just sounds brilliant. You know, it's it's kind of like the old saying, you know, that the flower doesn't have to try to bloom. You know, yeah, it just exactly. blooms. Yeah. When it's when you're dealing with nature, it just works. And if you just yeah. get rid of all the interference and just strip it back, and as you said, do those basics really well, it just works, doesn't it? So, thank you so much, Georgia. You have shared so much 
gold with us today. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I'm sure there are so many people like me thinking, I want to hear more of this stuff and I want to see more of this stuff. So anyone that wants to find Georgie, you can go to www.stirringchange.com. You can look it up on Facebook, which is Stirring Change on Facebook. Um, and you can go to the website and find the What to Eat program, which George has mentioned during the show today, which just sounds fabulous. It sounds awesome. So thank you again, Georgia. Thank you so much for coming on today. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fantastic. Absolutely. And we'll have to get you back on again. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com. And let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. We hope you enjoyed this Wellness Catch podcast brought to you by Audible. Do you find that you just don't have time to read all the awesome books that you hear mentioned on The Wellness Couch? Well, Audible might just have the answer. Audible is offering The Wellness Couch listeners a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can get books like Eat Right for Your Blood Type, Why We Get Fat by Gary Torbs, Paleo Diet for Athletes, or even The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch for your free audiobook. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.